Welcome, friends, to the Timeless Motherhood podcast, where we talk about biblical motherhood that doesn't cave to culture and has stood the test of time. I'm your host, Kaylee Whitebrot, and today we're going to be chatting with Jan Neese. If there was only one word I could use to describe her, it would be joy. Jan is full of the Lord's joyfulness, and you'll quickly pick up on that despite having come through so many seasons of challenge, disappointment, and absolute heartbreak. God has clearly given her a significant measure of his grace, and it was an absolute blessing to get the chance to sit down with her. We talk about her raising four kids as a young pastor's wife, repentance, loosening our control over our kids, and so much more. I do quickly want to mention a trigger warning. Um, We talk about infant loss, and if that is a sensitive topic for you, I completely understand, and I would just suggest um, skipping over that portion of today's episode. In the show notes, I mark exactly where the story starts and where it ends. So just wanted to give you guys a heads up on that, but Jan has so much encouragement for people going through difficult seasons. And just her story of how the Lord was there for her in that season is really special. So I hope you guys enjoy. And without further ado, let's get into it. Well, my name is Jan Neese. I am a Nana and a mom of four children, and I have seven grandchildren. And I am a follower of Jesus. That is my most important thing. And when when did you come to Christ? I came to Christ when I was seven. I really wanted to come to Christ before that. <laughs> My mommy told me I before had to... seven. <laughs> uh-huh, I loved him. Aww. I prayed with my mom one night. I wanted to become a sheep of Jesus as my shepherd. So I did, and my life has never been the same. <laughs> I've grown up with him and just grown through all the hard stuff yeah. and a lot of good stuff. It's all good. It's all good. You don't equate good with easy. Yeah. And so coming to faith that early in life, I mean, I've met a lot of Christians who grew up in the faith where there always comes this point of wrestling. The rubber meets the road and then the faith becomes real. But it sounds like you had that from such an early age. Like, what were your parents doing to to get you so fired up about the Lord? How did they make him so tangible to you? Well, I'll tell you what, they were willing to grow. They did not think they knew it all. My parents had uh, come to Christ, my mother earlier, and then my daddy when he was probably 18, and they got married when they were 19 and had me when they were 22. And uh, no, they lived honestly before us, before us kids, honestly. They had a real faith. They didn't buy into the um, current legalism. The current fads, the certain, oh, you must do this or you must do that. They didn't buy into them. They lived honestly. That made the huge difference. They would say they're sorry because they were not perfect. Mm-hmm. In fact, my mother was a little wild like me. <laughs> <laughs> not perfect, but wonderful and a, a deep faith. Yeah. Practically, what did that look like, them living honestly in front of you? Well, it looked like saying they were sorry when they were wrong. It looked like Daddy doing our the Bible with us in the mornings. Romans for children, I think, is what he did. That's from long ago. And um, just so faithful, even when we acted bad, you know, because yeah. children sometimes act, <laughs> yeah. act up when parents... Oh, sometimes? <laughs> really? <laughs> yes, I was a... I, I love to act up. So, um, yes. And just being transparent as they were growing. They were willing to learn. 
They didn't think they knew it all. Yeah. And we just, they loved going to church. They loved learning the Bible. They loved, they just were hungry for God. Mm-hmm. My dad's a pharmacist and I would go to his pharmacy and I would see how he just represented Jesus. He counseled people. It's difficult to work with the public and people come in, oh, I want that little yellow pill. And, you know, and, and so. Yeah, make it all go away. <laughs> make make my life pretty and, mm-hmm. yeah. And he listened and he counseled people and he was so lovely. And my mother she, I've got, I got to tell you a beauty shop story. I call it the beauty shop still, and I love to call it that. Nobody else does but me. <laughs> <laughs> My mother was one day in uh, the beauty shop, and she was under a dryer, because in those days, you know, you went to the beauty shop and got it under a dryer. <laughs> she was reading a book by a Christian author, and there was a woman in there just telling a, a really horrid joke. You know, being ha, ha, ha. And my mother thought, oh, what a jerk you are. And she put her book up in front of her face and wouldn't, you know, she thought, I'm not being part of this. So this is so interesting. And she thought the woman was just, you know, nobody should want to know. And she was really furious at her. Well, the next week the woman comes in and says, oh, I want to tell you, I saw your book and I saw the author and I saw that he was going to speak at a, a place here in town. And I went to his um, speech, his sermon, and I gave my life to Jesus. Oh my God! This is a true story. My mother was like Jonah. She did not want to, you know, share the gospel that day. She, in right. fact, she thought that one was less than. Yeah. Right. And uh, yeah, God, God had a plan of the title of the book in front of my mother's face. It's an honest, <laughs> true story. I love that <laughs> and so how, much. Oh, isn't that we call it mother's mother in Oklahoma? You call your mother mother. <laughs> mother's beauty shop story. Yeah. So that's the kind of life we lived. Yeah. You know, just honest, not saying us kids were great. I have two brothers and I was the boss, of course, but just lived honestly. And I was so appreciative that they weren't legalistic. Yeah. And we had a lot of people that thought you could be, you know, God would like you better if you did certain things or you read certain books or you didn't go to certain. We weren't bad as the East Coast. They couldn't play cards. So those were the kind of things that did not impact my family. We did not buy into that because that was not that. Didn't make sense. I, I mean, it completely misses the point. I mean, that's what is sinful about playing cards. I mean, that's so beyond my idea of legalism. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm living in a culture where it's like it's legalistic to tell people not to sleep together outside of marriage, but that's actually sin. <laughs> well, it actually is sin. Yeah, you're right. But um, you know, so. We're we're kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum. Yes, absolutely. legalism looks like enforcing the law that that Jesus still stands beside. Yes. So he stands beside, and that God set up because who made us? Yeah. God made us. Who knows how we can live fruitful, healthy lives? Right. Only God. Yeah. And when we go against his his way, we're going against our own bodies and our own selves, our own psyches. Yeah. Yeah, we are. Yeah. His ways do not change, but we add on traditions and we add on things and we add on, you know, you must do this and you must, oh, you, you couldn't dance. When I was little, somebody said, you can't dance. And I thought, mm-hmm, that, that's not true. I knew it's not true. They told me at church and I said, yeah, you can dance. David danced. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, so things. to fill in the audience on how we met, I actually saw Jan worshiping during church and her daughter happens to be in my life group so I use that as an opportunity to go say hi to Sarah and then turn to Jan and say and who is this is is this your mother 
So we got introduced that way, but it was her joy in the Lord, worshiping and praising God that drew me to her. And I'm so grateful to have you on the show today to be able to just share your story of motherhood, your story of life, and already what you've shared is so beautiful. (laughs) So yeah, talk a little bit about early motherhood for you. I am um, success-oriented, unfortunately. (laughs) So, and I'd always, you know, done really well in school. And um, so then I suddenly, I got married, and um, my husband was a youth youth pastor, and I had a baby, and I was staying at home. And so I had to really learn, and this is very important, this is the thing that God showed me over and over. I had culture shock, too, because I had moved from Oklahoma to go to school at Wheaton College, which is outside of Chicago, mm. which is a cultural difference from Oklahoma yes. City. I'm a city girl. And then um, went to New York, huh? but not New York City. Mm-mm. No. Uh, <laughs> in the sticks. Of New York. <laughs> Syracuse first, which is a lovely place, and then in the southern tier of New York. So culture shock, a different set of cultural values. Yeah, absolutely. Were you surrounded by other Christians up there? Yes. I was with different cultural values. <laughs> we loved Jesus and that was great. And that was about it that you but had there in common. There were rules there. There's rules in, there were rules there Yeah, that were not in Oklahoma. Again, so it was just different, but it was wonderful. But I started feeling sad that I wasn't able, since I was such a scholar, to be able to use all my um, wisdom and all my knowledge and learning. And um, God showed me, yes, yes, 1 Timothy 6, 6. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And he showed me godliness with contentment is success in God's eyes, in God's economy. And so I learned slowly, slowly, and and in difficult ways to be content. Oh, my. Made all the difference. But it was hard. It was hard when I had four children then when I lived in the really sticks. And... um. My son, Andy, I had three very smart kids, you know, very sharp, of course. And then I had Andy, my youngest son, and he had trouble being born and um, was diagnosed with cerebral palsy, but the intellectual partly body and all. And that was another, okay, that was, can you imagine? Yeah. Another way to switch around how I identified myself. Right. It was very successful. Yeah. And I mean, in my eyes. <laughs> right. In the worldly sense. <laughs> yes. And in my eyes, who knows who else thought I was. <laughs> But uh, here I am now, being home, doing a lot of laundry, a lot of little teeny pieces of laundry, <laughs> which adds up in a lot. And when you nurse, you know, you've got yeah. a lot of laundry. And um, But God showed me. He was so with me. What God does with me, and this is what I pray for my children and grandchildren, that, that you can see him, that you can hear him, that you can feel him in the wind. There's just certain winds when I know he's there. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. You yeah. do because you have experienced him. He is there. There was an instance, and I actually had five babies. My first baby, Annie, I was very, very large, and she was due two weeks before. Mm -hmm. And and then suddenly there wasn't movement. Our friends, he was a neonatologist, felt for the heartbeat, couldn't find one. I went to the hospital. The doctor kept going around, couldn't find a heartbeat. And you know what? And he says, well, we're going to have to assume if if when they break the waters, they're Coca-Cola colored, then we're going to assume that the baby is dead. Wow. Do you know who came to me at that very time? God. He came to me and he was there so powerfully. And he said, this is good. I'm with you. I'm letting this happen. I have purposes, but you don't understand. Can you trust me? I love you. I'm with you. And I said, oh, yes, God. 
He was there. God has been there, honey. God has been there. He was in the wind. There's so many times when I just knew his presence. When the light comes in the window, he shines his face on me. So there's just many visceral ways that I've known him besides his word, besides being around others who know him. It's so beautiful to experience that tangible side of God, which I, I don't think isn't available to everyone. But I know I meet a lot of people who have trouble accessing God in such a real way. Right. What do you think makes that difference? I think I do know. Yeah. I think I have an idea <laughs> because I am so smart. <laughs> we tend to be very cerebral. Mm. Age of enlightenment – Especially right now, just think, information age, oh, no, 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 no. Right. We've gone through these ages, but for a long time we've been thinking everything is cerebral. So we're, we're cerebral people. We want to understand everything. And I grew up in all that. We are not going to understand everything about a mystical God. Right. He is God. We are not. He is infinite. We are finite. Mm-hmm. So uh, we are very cerebral. And we're not often open to the body. And to sensing God in other ways. Although he's there and he's always there. Always. Always, isn't he? And you know at the times that even when you don't think you're even looking for him. <laughs> yeah. Here I am. Here I am. And just a little pat on the shoulder. Yes. It's just like, wow. Yes. You are so intentional with pursuing my heart. Yes. And I can almost feel... I I can feel grateful for some of the lowest circumstances that he's brought me through because those were the moments where I had no doubt that he was real. Yes. And Mm -hmm. Paul talks about, you know, taking part in the sufferings of Christ, that that's our joy. And that sounds so crazy to most people that we would rejoice in our sufferings, but it truly changes everything when you get to those places where you've either hit rock bottom because of your own stuff (laughs) or circumstantially life just feels like it's falling apart all around you and you go, I am not in control like I thought I was. And God is in control, like I doubted he was. Mm. And there's Mm. so much power in those places of life when we step outside of comfort. And we're just floating (laughs) in his hand. Yes. It's it's unreal. It is unreal. We step outside of comfort when we're willing to take risks. Jenny Allen says, you know, that when, in, when she was at Dallas Theological Seminary, one of her professors said, you can know God through the word. Yes, we can. We certainly can. You can know him through circumstances. But how do you really want to get to know God? You take a risk. And what that means is, you know, not some silly risk like jumping off the Empire State Building. Right. Like, God, I hope you catch me. Even <laughs> Jesus didn't play that card. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but to take a risk, to go ahead and believe, to go ahead and do what he asked you to do. Yes and amen. And in our weakness, he is strong. And this is what's meant to be. We think we're supposed to be strong. We're taught, I mean, and we, American women, right? Yeah. We are. (laughs) Rosie Riveter. (laughs) That's right. We are strong. But he is attracted to weakness. And it is one the saddest times that we really see him. You notice the things I've talked about today where I really saw him were my baby Annie Mm -hmm. and her um, premature death. And then Andy, my son, who has special needs. 
And there have been many, many, uh, and me being stuck out in the sticks <laughs> when no one knew how smart I was. <laughs> what a suffering that must have been for you. <laughs> yes. And I appreciate you sharing so vulnerably about those things because those are hard. Those are hard things to walk through. And I don't know if doing it well is even a thing because that's still one of those human no. success metrics. Amen. But you're right. But in the ways that you did do it well, you were looking to God. I had to. Yeah. He was all I had. He is my only hope. Yeah. Even today, really, he is my only hope. It's just what happens because <laughs> there is God and he's bigger than us and he's more loving than we could ever imagine. We can't even imagine how much he loves us Yeah, and is there for us and he is not condemning us. He is cheering us on and our, our journey is his. He's given us this journey yeah. and he shines the flashlight not all along the way, up far. <laughs> yeah. It's right on our toes, right? And so you're saying, oh, can I take this teeny baby step? And yes, that's how he shows us because he wants us to trust him. Yeah. I heard recently that in the Lord's Prayer, you know, Jesus asked for our daily bread. Yes. When we're looking to the future or looking to the past, things look so much scarier because we can't see God's grace in Absolutely. It because he gives us grace for today. It's not for tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Let tomorrow worry about itself. It has enough trouble of its own. And let the past be the past, mm. you know, move forward in the pursuit of righteousness yes. and godliness. And so, you know, all all we have to do is get through today, but it's it's not about just trudging on. You know, like God has so much more for us today. Yes. So when you came home from the hospital without your baby to an empty home, which you thought would be the start of motherhood for you, what did your relationship look like with the Lord through that grieving period? I just leaned on him. I just leaned on him. My parents, of course, were there and Ralph, my husband, and uh and a lot of people from church were sending flowers, and um, it was so sweet. Just everybody was just so sad for Ralph and me. And, yeah, it had to be all about God. Sometimes I would start to think, oh, did I do something wrong? Because, you know, always we think we're in control. Yeah. I, so I went through all that, and I just had to work that through with God. But he was very close, absolutely. And yeah. he showed himself through his people. Yeah. And your husband was a pastor at the time, right? Yes, well, at that time, he had just gotten out of graduate school. Yeah, we were actually down in Oklahoma with my parents. Oh, okay. To so have the baby to because then we're going to go out, oh. out to New York, and then he yeah. was going to become a youth pastor in Syracuse, New York. So so then how long after losing Annie did you move to Syracuse? About two months. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're right in the midst of your grief still and then moved to a completely new place with no community. Mm-hmm. How did you find community there? Well, that's where Ralph's from. Okay. So it was there was the most wonderful church yeah. that he was part of, and his family had been part of that. It was an international church because they're right near Syracuse University. So we had people from all over the world. And they, I got some of the most lovely mentoring I've ever had <laughs> because yeah. I remember a woman from England, and she just, oh, come for tea, have Christmas cake. <laughs> and Christmas cake is fruit cake with some frosting on top. Just taking me in, loving me, really taking a, a great interest in me. We'd had the grief of losing the baby. And so I think they were very much 
loving us. And they were glad we came for Ralph to be the youth pastor yeah. of a hundred kids. There were oh, wow. lots of kids in the youth group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was it like being a pastor's wife? That was fun being youth pastor's wife because I yeah. love hanging out with kids. We laugh and laugh and laugh yeah. and do crazy stuff. <laughs> so fun. And they're just so open and malleable and yeah, I don't know. I loved that. That was fun. And then when he became a, a senior pastor later, that became a bit more difficult. Yeah. But I knew God had called us. I knew God had called me back in college to to follow him in ministry, whatever that looked like. Yeah. And uh, Ralph had certainly heard God's voice to go into pastoral ministry. Yeah. So of course we were going to do that, even if it was hard, because it was. Yeah. What made it so difficult for you? Partly what made it is because I'm a people pleaser. And if you're a people pleaser... You cannot please everybody. I mean, it's false. I need to be a God pleaser. Mm-hmm. A woman once comforted me and said, well, honey, if you're a, a people pleaser, that means you're, you're really probably a God pleaser too, but I don't know if I was. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, you can't serve two masters. <laughs> no, you can't, can you? So I, uh, yeah, so that was hard. I think it was because of who I was and I love to serve and I, I can do a lot of things. I think, cause you know, I think I can. So I would just do everything. And I loved it. I really did enjoy that. And I enjoyed Ralph being my pastor. Yeah. For me, for my sake. Yeah. And my children. And they got some grief too from people. Just It's just the way it is in life. And it, we work through it just yeah. fine. I mean, that is such a gift to have a godly husband. Yes. And one who is such a spiritual leader. Yes. What did home life look like in terms of uh, spiritual development for your family? Mm-hmm. Well, Ralph, of course, we tried it. We would do devotions with him, you know, like the Bible. And uh, we had a little, oh, there used to be a book by Ken Taylor, um, The Bible for Little Eyes. Oh, it was so fun. And we'd do that. And as they grew, I, they, no one ever wanted to go to sleep at night. <laughs> so I would be up there with everybody, <laughs> unless somebody was in a crib, you know, it on the, the ages of the children, singing, 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 telling Bible stories. Ralph would come up and do the raucous ones, and I'd try to do the quieter ones singing all the choruses and hymns, singing and singing and singing. And I know, and I put him to sleep that way, except that it took a long time, like an hour. So I got a <laughs> lot of Bible stories and a lot of, of hymns and spiritual songs. Yeah. Yeah. And then moving into the teenage years with your kids, what did their faith look like? You know, it's interesting because um, I like kids. I'm and that's one of my gifts as kids. I don't know if I'm such a good teacher as I am just having fun, but I can also teach them, but we have fun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fun is I, more important to them. Well, and I like them, you know, yeah. I love them. So all the ages. So I was pretty much involved in ministries that they were in. Do yeah. you know what? I just go on up. I, yeah, always. Yeah. We moved here to Maryland, and then we did youth group too. We participated in that, so our kids were then that age. Mm -hmm. I did some junior church too, of course. And some of my kids were in that age group. I just always focused on kids and that was nice. And so they loved, and they got to play their violins in church and their flute and stuff because, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Musical house. Make it happen. (laughs) And um, just being there, you know, they went to public school and I would read with them whatever they want to read. I mean, whatever they had to read at school, even if I wouldn't have chosen it for them. And we'd talk about it. I'm not saying, I mean, you know, one of my children was a little more rebellious than the others, but we made it through. We just loved and and suffered together and learned. Yeah. I think as a mom, I was trying to have too much control because you can when they're little. Yeah. And they get bigger and you can't. Right. And I, I was very controlling, I think. I had to learn 
to trust God. Yeah, it's it's hard to balance that control and to know when is too soon to let go of that control. You know, I think there's a lot of giving children too much autonomy too soon these days. Yes, but there is. Also, yes. I mean, it, it life is about balance, <laughs> and balance is elusive. And we hold the hand of God. We hold the hand of God. We're yeah. gonna do it wrong. We're gonna some of it wrong. I mean, it doesn't look good, but. When we're really wanting to please God, when we love him and we're just really, I don't know, we're going to do some of the stuff we think, why did I do that? Especially the first child. They're the grand experiment. Yeah. And I was a first child. Are you a first child? No, I'm the third. <laughs> I had to think about it only because we have a blended family. And so, yeah. Well, you got I'm, off the hook a little bit with that. But uh, the first the child. The black sheep. <laughs> oh, well. Well, that's, that's, that's okay. That's, that's my gift. One of those things. <laughs> All of us have something. So yeah, being the black sheep or being the baby's hard and being the oldest is hard. And yeah. I tell my middle kids, I said, you're so blessed. Of course, everybody says, oh, you're a middle child. That's bad. No, it's not. It's real cozy. You're cushioned. The yeah. one is spoiled at the bottom and the other one is controlled at the top. <laughs> yeah. But the one in the middle is often forgotten. Yes. They, or so they feel. <laughs> do, you, do you see that as a gift? <laughs> I saw it. Yes. In a way, forgotten. <laughs> but cozy. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Yes. So it's all hard, no matter what we, yeah. but there's not a best or it's what we've been given. Yeah. So I believe that I did see how I became more um, of a wise mother as I went along. And the first one suffered more at my yeah. hand. I mean, you didn't know what you were doing. No. <laughs> I'm consistently <laughs> shocked by the realization that when my mom had my oldest sister, she was around my age she probably felt exactly the way that I do. I don't know what I'm doing. And that she probably felt that way the entire time because you constantly get to these new yes, stages. New stages. Like I've never been here before or this child is completely different than the others. Because they are. Yeah. They are. If you, Especially if you have two of the same, like two boys, they'll be opposites or two girls, opposites. <laughs> We had four girls and a boy, so mm. we have a lot of different personalities. <laughs> you had some fights, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Girl fights? Girl yeah. fights like people stealing people's clothes. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Always about clothing. <laughs> Always about clothes. <laughs> you told me a funny story about, about clothing when we had our pre-interview call. The rules that you encountered in church and as a pastor's wife. Yes. When I was a little girl... I mean, I've always liked to look nice. I have some art forms. <laughs> One of them, and I'm not an artist like you are. I'm a oh. visual artist, beautiful. But um, my home, decorating, and then myself, you know, dressing. I like to, I love to put things together. And so when I was a little girl and I saw that pastors, wives, and missionary, and this is, remember, I'm 70, so this is way back. They looked really dowdy. It seemed like if you were going to be spiritual, you would be dowdy. Yeah. Some of them, they would wear these dresses and then like look like army boots. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's horrid. <laughs> Although there was some time that I wore army boots too later, but they were in style. But um, Yes. So I thought, oh, no, God, I will never do that. And so when I found out that, you know, I gave my life to serve God, however, and then I found out that the man that I loved was going to be a pastor, I said, well, then I guess I will be married to a pastor and I'll be a pastor's wife. Yeah. So yes. And then I made a lot of my clothes 
And sometimes people still did not like that I looked nice. One time when Ralph's mother was visiting our church, they said, where, somebody said, where does she get all those clothes? Where does she get the money for all those clothes? My mother gave me stuff too. Yeah. But I, I made my clothes. How'd you manage to make clothing with four children? <laughs> I had a, a sewing machine, like I see you do, in my basement. I made Cabbage Patch clothes for their dolls. As a mother, you need things to do besides watching over your children. Yeah. You have got to have them. And so I'd make jelly, I'd make jam, I had a garden, you know, I'd bake bread. I'd oh, do that's all awesome. that because, all the homemaking things. Because, yes. I loved watching over the children, but there was only so much of that that I could do. Right. We had to do other things. Yeah. And I'm sure they did a lot of that with you. Yes, they did. Oh, yeah. And they loved it, you know. Yeah. They skate around the basement. Skate. Skate is a great big basement, and they could skate while I sewed with to music and all. So they had fun. Oh, that's so fun. <laughs> <laughs> or ride their tricycles around. That's so awesome. Yeah, I think about now, I mean, I didn't grow up seeing my mom do hobbies. She stayed at home with us um, and she took care of our home and we lived in lovely homes that were clean and well kept. But, you know, there, there just wasn't a lot going on at home. And I think of the gift that it is to pass on some of these creative skills that I'm now having to learn as an adult. You know, I want to pass on you music, pass on. but I'm, yes. I've tried to learn how to play guitar like yes. six different times <laughs> Yes, <laughs> because it's, it's a lot easier when you're a child to just like spend hours doing something that you're fascinated yes. with. And now you have to like budget your time on, on this and that and oh, I love it. <laughs> look at you doing this fun stuff i'm trying <laughs> oh i love it i do love it and it's yeah. it's for you and it's for the child you know yeah. i'm just kind of busy and i think i would have gone nuts <laughs> i read a lot i love to read i'm a reader reader Ooh. and storyteller but i love to read in the poems and i make songs to the poems and all that so they're all they're very literary actually my children are li uh, yeah. two of them are scientists but they're very literary that's incredible you must be proud I am proud and I'm shocked You're because shocked. I was kind of, <laughs> well, a lot of imperfections on my part. And you know, it's all God. It's all God. It is him. We obey him. We foster our relationship with him. And, and I mean, even though you don't have any time, we should try to wake up way early. I said, God, I'm going to wake up way early and spend time with you. And then, well, you know, the kids are coming in bed all the night and everybody needs everything or you're nursing and all kinds of things are going along and you can't wake up before the children because they are very <laughs> early risers. Yeah. Uh, but I remember one time I did. One time. And it was so significant to me. I cried the whole time because I couldn't believe I was awake before them. I could spend time with God. And he spoke to me. He spoke to me. And I was like, oh, God, you're so good. But then I wasn't able to do it again for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> but then, but by the time they were older, I mean, that was when they were babies. Right. Then I was able to. I tried to really be in my Bible every morning, and they they saw that. You know, yeah. my kids say, Mom, I remember you always being in, in the Word yeah. and praying. During the baby days, how did you connect with God? <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. I, I've always memorized Scripture, and we've always listened to, you know, music. We grew up with the hymns, but then we had this uh, the choruses for a certain amount of years, and then we had the Christian music. Amy Grant was... Big deal when I was, I think, first having babies. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like 70-something. But I would go 
I would put the kids by Sesame Street because I didn't let them watch much TV. And it's not like now where they, everybody has everything. Mm-hmm. And they didn't even know anything was on except for Sesame Street. The TV yeah. didn't even have anything else. So um, I would go upstairs and I had a 15-minute radio program I listened to. And it was Karen and David Maines. It was called Chapel of the Air. And they ministered to me. They mentored me and mentored me. And so five days a week I could do that. What I loved about them. They were rich and deep and, and opened up doors to me to consider other things about Christ and the whole community because they weren't real. They weren't tribal. Yeah. Wow. Can you imagine that? Yeah. I mean, here's God giving me people that weren't even, they were so wonderful. And so I've met Karen Maines. I've talked to her. We still support them. Wow. Uh-huh, even though they don't really do their radio show anymore. Yeah. But um, I told her, Karen, you mentored me all through those baby years. Thank you so much. You and her husband, because he was off and on, but then she'd be on speaking and they did it in tandem and it was that was a real important thing to me did they go through the bible or did they talk about you know just like practical life topics through the christian lens all all the above i remember a long time we were learning about revival Mm. too and looking at the old revivals and just having some hope it was always scriptural always based in the bible but Practical things. David Maines is very wise, and Karen is very wise too. She's an author as well, so she has a way with words. And uh, yes, my reminder that goes off every day to remind me of the affirmation that God is who He says He is, yes. and He can yes. do what He says He can do, I love and that. that He's my comforter. Mm-hmm. I love that, Kaylee. <laughs> we need reminders so we get really busy. Yeah, Remi- I have a reminder on that too. Right now, I'm praying. D.L. Moody, he, um, you know, Moody Bible Institute. Yeah. D.L. Moody. He had a list of 100 people and he carried around in his pocket who he wanted, did not know Jesus. Mm. And um, by the time he died, 94 of them had come to Christ. Wow. But at his funeral, the other six did. Oh, my gosh. So right now I have a D.L. Moody list and I have a little alarm going off, too, uh, and other things, too. But that's one I just thought of. Yes, mm. to remind me, God, you can do anything. Some of these people are so hard, and I've been praying for them for years. But my grandpas, both of them came to Christ in their 70s and got baptized. Oh, my gosh. Both. That's amazing. What is that? They're seven, and I'm in my 70s. That sounded so old when I was a kid. Like, oh, <laughs> the ancient grandpas. But, you, know. <laughs> you would never know that you're 70 with how lively you are. Oh. I mean, you're just so full of life. So full of God's joy. Mm, thank you, Kaylee. Yeah. It's such a blessing. Yeah. We need so many reminders. We do. And I, it's so easy some days. I just hit that snooze button because I'm in the middle of something and I forget about it. Oh, me too. And I'm like, I'm asking for five seconds of my own time to remind myself how big my God is. Uh-huh. Why is that so hard? The flesh is so sneaky like well, that. Well, it is so sneaky. Yeah. Well, and we, that's, we need God. Yeah. Every day I'm thinking, oh, oh my. Yeah. And not falling into that trap of, oh, I'm so terrible. Let me just, you know, whip myself in the mirror. <laughs> just like, <laughs> just sit in a pity party of how sinful and shameful I am. But it's just like, oh, duh. And then in that moment, that's when you quit the crap and just pray to God. That's exactly. Because he already knows that about us. That's why Jesus came. That's what repentance actually looks like. Yes, it is. Recognition yes. of your sin mm-hmm. and an immediate about face. That's right. Just like 
nope. And then you walk in the Amen. direction. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Towards God. You do. You can walk. It's a choice right then. But he's with us, you know. He helps us. Wow, I love it. He never condemns us. He's not about condemning. Jesus came into this world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Yeah. He came to save us. He loves us. When he looks at us, he sees Jesus yeah. superimposed over us. And then How we've beautiful. got it made. Yeah. Except that we still deal with the sin thing. Right. But we always will. We're human. But we also get to walk in that freedom. Oh, yes, we do. Yeah. Ah, oh, yes. You have any good freedom stories? Ooh, <laughs> well, yes. Freedom to really kind of be goofy. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> because the joy of the Lord. And I mean, and I love people. I love people. I love being here with you. I just love you. And uh, yeah, I love people. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's being with them. But I think because I'm older too, just the freedom to just be who I am. And I've done that with a lot of groups. And many people I've worked with in my life have not all been believers in Jesus, of course. Yeah. But just to be myself and to be my Jesus girl self yeah. with them, I'm free to do that. Yeah. I had somebody at one of my schools who brought in, she did not like God, and I think she'd been abused in a church. And so that's all a big other thing. Yeah. But um, we were meeting. We usually met in my library to pray at my final school I was at. But there was a room where we would meet sometimes for Bible study and prayer. And she went around and did some kind of cleansing of it. So what I'm saying is people, there were a yeah. opposition. Yeah. Often. But that's just Satan. Right. But free to really be myself without trying to be judgy and say, oh, I'm better than everybody because I do this or that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, just free to live in Christ. Yes. And just to be, like I said, goofy. Because it does kind of look goofy. <laughs> uh, even when I came to McLean, I said, I'm so happy that it's okay with everybody if I do raise my hands. And not everybody's expected to, or but they don't. Yeah. Sh- they don't shun it. Yeah, because I really love that. When I can't imagine being in a church that shuns outward expression of loving the Lord. Mm-hmm. Have oh, you been there? Oh, I've <laughs> seen, yeah, there are some. Yeah, there are. Yeah. Uh huh. At least in the past, maybe not now. I don't know. But um, I mean, going back to what we talked about in the beginning of just that tangible experience of God. Yes. I know that there's a there's a big movement to seek that experiential God. Right, right, right. Which is sort of outside of scripture. It's it's just sensational. Well, it's it's grounded in scripture. Scripture talks about experiencing God, but but that movement is more about, you know, the large gatherings and everyone feeling really incredible in that space with the music and the lights and the show. But have you ever experienced that alone? Have you ever been alone with God Mm. and had that same Mm -hmm. kind of Pentecostal moment? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So what is your quiet time? I'm sure your quiet time doesn't, isn't probably that quiet. With God. <laughs> <laughs> well, I get up way early. And, um, oh, I love it. I love it because he is there. I am really holding his hand right now. I'll put my hand out and just hold it. I mean, I know he's there. I would tend to do a regimen, right? Because I believe in spiritual disciplines. But Absolutely. again, we don't do them for themselves. We do them to make space for God, right? Yeah. To open ourselves up. So I can get caught in the regimen or I can enjoy time with God. <laughs> and I want to enjoy time with God. I want to hear from him. I believe Jeremiah, um, 
3.33, I mean, I believe what God says there. Call unto me and I will tell you unsearchable things which you do not know. And he does. But not on our snap of the fingers. It's his thing. I want to hear. If he's got something to say, yes, I'm in the scriptures. I'm really praying more. I am desiring to pray more. and wanting to live a life of 24-7 prayer. That's my thing right now. Yeah. Uh-huh. Just being in constant communion with him. Yes. Whether it's even just saying, oh, look, I see beautiful trees out there. I see trees budding. I do see some trees budding. Yeah. <laughs> and I, oh, and I see you in the wind and I sense you and I see you in this person. I see you in Kaylee. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. So prayer. So in the morning, yeah, just spending time with him and I love it. Sometimes I'll light a candle. I love to light a candle. Right now I'm doing Lent, you know, so I will. I am lighting a candle <laughs> and just having really quiet time with him. A little Bible study, but um, some scripture reading through the Bible. Each year I read through the Bible and I love it because it's always, even though I've read it several times, it's always new and fresh. Something I did not realize or did not see. Yeah. I'm reading through for the second time. Yes. It took me a year and a half the first time. And this time, instead of going chronological, that's what I did first. Um, It's a different genre of the Bible every day of the week. So Mondays is the law and Tuesdays is the Gospels and so on. And um, I love that. It's been really cool because somehow, even though it's just like, divided up, you know, math wise, um, for each day, so much of it is starting to weave together (laughs) and it has by kind of going through it in this mixed up sort of way, it's Mm. just really crystallizing how much the Bible is one big story. It all is all woven like a tapestry. Yes. I love that Kaylee. And it's just making, I mean, Reading the whole Bible made it come alive like I never thought that it would. Mm -hmm, (laughs) It's mm -hmm. like, oh, there's some parts of the Bible that are relevant for me, probably, you know, the Pauline epistles and the gospels, but like the Old Testament doesn't really apply to me today. I'm not a Jew and, um, you know, we don't live in that covenant. And so I kind of grew up with that belief that like, it's important, but if you never really get around to reading it, it's not that big of a deal. What's uh, What are your thoughts on oh, all of this? <laughs> I love the Old Testament. Oh, yeah. I love the Old Testament. I'll tell you, it's wild. You <laughs> see God in his wildness. Yeah. You just do, and you see him in his mercy, and you see him in, in his wrath, yeah. and uh, you see strong women like jail taking that peg and Clinking it right into Sisera's head. I'm just saying the Judge Deborah. You think about some of the and Ruth. I love her and I um, Rahab, who who was commended in the Hall of Faith for giving a friendly welcome. Amen. Amen. Oh, I mean, no. There's too many wonderful things and and Genesis. I could spend forever in Genesis over and over and over and over and over. I'm in Leviticus right now, which is just making me realize. No, I I so feel it's all tied together. I see it scarlet thread throughout the entire scriptures it's just all god's story and it's all important yeah it's all important gonna miss stuff if you don't read the old testament just gonna miss the richness and the connections and how you were formed and really god's intention for creation for you as a human being as a woman yeah and and jesus's existence throughout the whole bible yes 
I mean, it's just incredible how present he was in the Old Testament. Love it. I am just blown away every time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. And one of my favorite recent learnings about Jesus on the cross when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm -hmm. I learned recently that because the Bible wasn't laid out the way it is now with pages and, and chapters and books to reference a psalm, you would just say the first verse. And so I forget which psalm it is, but the psalm starts, my God, my mm -hmm. God, why have you forsaken mm -hmm. me? David is in the pit of his despair. Mm. But later on, he talks about the coming Messiah. And this is Jesus not saying, God, you've turned your back on me, which we sing about. And I think maybe that, I mean, I mm -hmm. think yeah. it's theologically uh -huh. wrong. Like God never leaves us. He sent a Messiah and Jesus was saying, I feel alone, but even in my greatest despair, God, you are sending a savior for me. Mm -hmm. You are going to pull me out of the pit. That's right. And I mean, thinking back to those stories that you shared of those darkest times mm -hmm. and how your savior was right there in the middle of oh, it with you. Yes. Yes, yes. I know. I love how Jesus memorized the Psalms. And so when I realized that, I began memorizing a lot of them. Mm. I would rather memorize a whole Psalm than a verse. And then Jesus, like you said, saying them on the cross. And yeah. Yes. And David, a man after God's own heart, as imperfect, he would be canceled today and taken <laughs> off his throne. Absolutely. <laughs> and I don't know where they get these people who haven't been canceled because everyone has done wrong. Exactly. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. But I love that God redeems his children. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing everything that you have shared today. I would just love it if you would pray us out. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'd love to. Oh, Father. Father Jesus, Holy Spirit, triune God, here you are. You are with us. You are with us. You love us with an everlasting love. Thank you for sweet Kaylee. Thank you for her vision and her saying yes to you, God. Yes, I will follow you, God. Yes, I will use my gifts that you've given me, my talents that I have honed through other experiences. And I'm going to do this for you, God, to help others. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this sweet time that you have been in this room with us. And I pray that all who hear this podcast will be blessed and enriched by you, God, by your spirit speaking to them through the words of Kaylee and me today. We give you all the praise and glory and adoration forever and ever. In the powerful, precious name above all names, amen. Amen.